All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This is Leafs Morning Take with Nick Alberga and Jay Rosehill. Now we've got a fight started here right off the bat with Rosehill. 30 minutes of live, non-stop Leafs talk starts now. Ah, hello darkness, my old friend, presented by Botano and Skip. The Tuesday or the Wednesday edition, excuse me, at least one to take underway. And it'll double as a game one therapy session. Nick Alberga and Jay Rosa with you. Rosie, how are you feeling on this Wednesday, my man? How do you think I'm doing? I am beyond rattled. <laughs> I am going to do my best not to set the swear record on this bloody thing tonight, but uh, just flabbergasted, shocked, and so, so disappointed, man. Look, one way or another, it was going to be a classic overreaction day, and I don't want to steal the thought. Um, Jamie Noodles McLennan said this on Overdrive on Tuesday going into the game, and I think he was perfectly right. Either it was the Leafs are going to be winning the Cup after a game one victory, or they're going to be really, really disappointed. So, Again, we'll dive into everything coming up, and I totally agree with that. The Leafs now 2-5 and five in Game 1 since 2017. But first and foremost, Rosie, we have to get to a poll, a really good poll that you put up, and you're really working on your social media game these days. A poll you had up, I think it was 3 nothing at the time. What are we looking at to calm the nerves? Beer, hard liquor, wine, or pure gasoline? Clearly the person who put this poll up went with pure gasoline. But what ended up winning for you, buddy? Oh, I had a little, uh, I was all over the place, had a little whiskey to start <laughs> to celebrate and then figured I would going to finish the bottle if I kept on that the way things were going. So, uh, switched it up. But at the end of the day, it, uh, 
it didn't matter what you had in you. There's nothing solving that problem inside of you there last night. My God, I just it's just Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Like, who is that team? We we haven't seen any blip of that since maybe October, and that's how they come out. Like, there's just my notes are just uh, line after line after line of just inexcusably awful things that happened on the most important game. It's just it's just shocking, and it you try to point your finger at something it like the nerves and the pressure is the only thing that can that can that can even remotely try to explain it and it's just top to bottom just embarrassing effort to come out like that and yes it's just game one and they're not out of it by any stretch but it, it was literally the worst case scenario yesterday's game one you know i felt it took me back to Billy Madison and watching that movie and Billy looking at one of his grade school teachers, Miss Lippy, putting glue on her eyelids. That That's how I felt watching that game last night. And the movie kept playing over and over in my mind. It was more like, what the fuck did I just watch? But I've been warning you since day one that I've seen every meltdown possible with this team, whether it's been losing to a beer league netminder, you know, whether it's been collapsing to the Montreal Canadiens, the Columbus Blue Jackets, take your pick. So... I always say expect the unexpected. I steal that phrase, of course, from my favorite reality show, Big Brother. Uh, but it's just one game. I think that's the only way you can look at it. We're going to jump into it chronological order uh, in mere seconds. But first, I want to start it off on a positive. There's a couple of things I took away from the last night's game. The power play got off to a good start. Always great to see. There was about a billion power plays in that game. But Jake McCabe, man, that, that was a National League body check last night, wasn't it? Yeah, that was big time, and I mean, this day and age, anytime there's a big uh, there's a big hit, you saw it with the uh, with the Dumba hit too. I mean, people are calling this a blindside hit, an elbow. I mean, his elbow is absolutely <laughs> tucked until after contact, shoulder, and then sh- and then elbow, maybe a little blindside hit. A guy crossing the blue line, facing north with the puck, with his head up his ass, and gets cranked and. People are finding a way to call that a blindside hit. Just makes me ill. McCabe is probably the only thing. Maybe Marner. A uh, few, few, very few shining moments in that game. Uh, McCabe's physicality was one of them. Shenner's trying to bang a little bit, but uh, my God, there that was just not even close to enough to get the shadows away from Justin Hole. I mean, he plays the most out of any defenseman. He was on for just about every single goal. It was a highlight reel package of what not to do. I could not believe the amount of times in desperate, desperate situation where he is behind the people he's supposed to be defending, reaching with his stick just to kind of place his stick on top of the other person's stick about three times while they just bury goals on his goaltender. Absolutely, absolutely the most embarrassing game I've seen from a National Hockey League defenseman. And as if that's not enough, he's playing the most out of anybody, and they just about refuse to take him out of the lineup. I have almost never seen anything this head-scratching than their commitment to Justin Hall. And, of course, we'll go over sort of uh, the game-by-game check, the uh, lineup adjustments ahead. Of course, we'll talk about Michael Bunting as well. I thought it was interesting, too, Nikki Paul you know, just chasing McCabe around the ice of McCabe's like, dude, I'm going off for a change. So I don't know what you want to do here. Again, it was a clean hit. I think you and I would say it's a clean, a clean hit. Maybe some people disagree, but I just love Nick Paul chasing him around the ice. That was a hilarious visual. 
Yeah, Paul seems to kind of be there. I don't know, sandpaper out there, I guess. And I mean, to be honest, you didn't even need to have much out there. Aside from that McCabe hit, uh, <laughs> there really wasn't much going on out there. I mean, the one shining, you know, moment of the game is when we make it 3-2 and holy smokes, we find our game. We're getting mm -hmm. momentum. That barn is rocking. We are setting up for a modern classic coming into this playoff game and to, to make it into something after a horrendous start. I was so jacked, like, here we go. We're in for a treat of a game. And then just the just the, the refs just decided to take over the game. I'm sorry. I'm not one to bitch about refs. Everyone misses this and that. But in the playoffs, you should you should try to figure out as a ref, how much am I going to let go? How much am I going to let go? I got to call something, but where's that line going to be? And instead, they call flabbergastingly awful calls on both Shen, a cross check where he has one hand on his stick and the guy just completely does the old LeBron James dive. And then <laughs> David Camp reaches around and taps the shaft of the guy's stick. And you call that a slashing in the Stanley Cup playoffs, man. And then the game just sailed off from there. And Wes McCauley, I don't know. He's known as a good ref, but you know he doesn't mind having the spotlight on him the way he calls the calls the things on the microphone, and he's not scared to have the spotlight on him. And to make those calls right after you know those two goals that we scored to, to make this a playoff game and to get back into it, you just can't make those calls. They're they're bad calls. They aren't even penalties, let alone penalties in the playoffs for the situation that that game was in is just inexcusable. And I mean, if if I don't know if they go and watch the game tape, but if they watch those calls, they if they're not shaking their head going, oh, shit, I, I really missed a couple there, then I don't know what the hell they're doing out there. All right. If you're new to, tra to the channel, excuse me, and you're watching right now, remember to subscribe, tap that like button, leave us a review, hammer that like button for a Game 2 victory for the Toronto Maple Leafs coming up on Thursday night at the Leafs Nation 401, where you can follow along on YouTube. Additionally, we're available wherever you find your podcast. Just search Leafs Morning Take. You'll find us. Don't forget as well to visit theleafsnation.com for the very latest in all things Toronto Maple Leafs. If you have thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns, you can drop us a line in the chat down below here on YouTube. We'll get to a bit later on in the show. And the chat, I can tell you, my friend, is very, very busy. So we'll get to some of your comments coming up in about 15 or so from now. But for now, let's get over the boards. We haven't even got over the boards yet. No, you, you, you vented everything you had to vent in the first eight minutes of the show. But we're going to break it down for everybody. We'll start with the start because that was the most concerning part for me. So you have the puck drop. Then three seconds later, Mark Giordano tries to headman the puck. It goes for an icing. And I thought after that, it was like, holy shit, man. I thought I was watching that team from October. Remember, I kept bringing it up. Dude, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. That's exactly what we saw. Then 118 in. Zach Aston Reese, like, what are you doing? Just get the puck off the glass or out of, out of the zone. It's the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's like the second shift of the game. I thought the Leafs got a bit busy trying to line match early on. I think it ate them. Uh, but what was your breakdown of the first couple moments of this hockey game? Well, since it's right there, watch Justin Hole. Yeah, the turnover by Zach Aston Reese was bad. That has to go out. Watch Hole go behind the net. You're trying to get Perry. You're trying to do something. He just kind of stands and Perry just goes around him to the inside of the net and then Hull doesn't even get back to the front of the net to get that rebound. Watch number three here, Justin Hall. Turnover, yeah, that's bad, Zach. Perry goes back, Hall comes on the far side of the net, doesn't even touch him, <laughs> then doesn't get back and allows Bellamar to bury. Like, it's the worst thing. I've. You can't play in the American Hockey League, my friend, with that kind of defense. And yeah, that turnover with Zara is bad. I, I said way before the game even was going, I said, a guy like Zach Aston Reese, just he doesn't have enough upside 
to justify putting him in the lineup in front of Nice. Like he doesn't have all this experience. He doesn't, he's not really good at something. I don't think he should be, I don't think he deserves a lineup, whether he played good down the stretch or not, over top of Matthew Nyes. And Nyes is sitting up there and he's a hell of a player and he could have been effective. And he I, I just if 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 guys are gonna make those kind of turnovers and be that nervous, you might as well play your young guy who's inexperienced, who's an absolute stud over an average player who's, you know, gonna play tight and nervous and make those turnovers. Just an inexcusable start. The whole team looked so tight, so tense, so nervous, so scared, and so lost. And then meanwhile, your coach is desperately trying to match lines that he's got himself and the whole the whole bench in a frazzle trying to match lines. John Cooper's over there just chuckling. He's like, okay, I'll just <laughs> I'll just put one of the lines back at the door here and completely throw him for a loop. And he did. He did that with, I don't know, someone's line, threw them out there again and double shifted them. And then the whole point of having home ice is if there's a whistle or a certain face off in a certain zone, you see who they put out there, then you decide who you're going to do to match that. You're not desperately trying to like throw guys at the door and panic and who's out, who's out. That's throwing you for a loop and throwing you completely out of the game. And that's exactly what Keith did trying to match these lines so bad. It's not like an end-all be-all. You have to have the right people against the exact people every second of every shift. It's you get to choose who you want to play for that guy next shift or on the face-off and that's as simple as it is it's not the end-all be-all where you have to match every line against every one of theirs you're just going to totally screw up your players momentum doing that so a couple things uh six of the eight games so far in the stanley cup playoffs the roadside has won six of those eight games number two this is why i've been saying for three months tampa did not care if they had home ice advantage in the first round i got some I got some blowback on that, but they didn't. This is what they do. They go into the road barn, wherever it is. It could be wherever, and they'll find a way to get the job done. They were ready for this game. To your point, Toronto looked nervous, anxious, tentative, hesitant, overwhelmed, which I won't lie is mildly concerning considering the Leafs have been waiting for this game for 339 days since May 14, 2022, when they lost in Game 7. And this is how you come out saying you're a different team. You're a change team. Having said that, Rosie, I'm not going to lose sight of the fact that this is a seven-game series. It's easy to remember for me, at least, game one last year, the Leafs were winning the Cup. They won 5 nothing against Tampa in game one of that series, and look how it played out. So I'm not going to play the scorched earth guy today. I know maybe to an extent you are, but that is the worst start imaginable for a team who has aspirations of not only winning this series, but winning a Stanley Cup to come out as flat as they did, was really, really concerning to me. Yeah, and I mean, I think you might have said it. They've been waiting for this game for months, and it had this buildup. And, I mean, maybe it was too big and in their head. And then you look at – I mean, you walk into the rink and you see that outside. Like, holy shit, it is a big game. But, I mean, you guys are built for this. I mean, that that moment can't be too big. There is There is something about Toronto that gets in guys' heads in the playoffs, obviously, with the record that they have. And it's not this group of guys. It's the group before them and the group before them and the group before them. So whatever it is about that mark, it just makes guys tense and not be able to perform in playoff pressure. But um, like you said, it is the first game. It is not the end of the world. Honestly, if they lose on Thursday, yeah, that's a nightmare. But you could go into Tampa (laughs) And just shed all that shit and come out as the team that you that they have been all year long and win win both of those and just have a wild series that could very well happen. So by no means is this thing over, but it is certainly certainly unexpected and depressing and upsetting to see them come out like that. And they just got to shake off those nerves. They got to regroup. They got to get their leadership to get themselves back on 
pace and they got to figure out what the hell they're doing with their lines, which could, you know, bring us to the bunting conversation. What, what is that going to look like? Are we bringing knives in or what? And they're going to make some adjustments. God willing, Justin Hole gets pulled out of the lineup, but I just, I just don't see how they are when he's playing that bad and they just continue to rack the minutes up more than anybody else out there. I just, I just don't understand what they see in the guy that doesn't skate good, doesn't defend good, doesn't move the puck well, doesn't make good decisions. It's, it's fucking incredible. But if he, if he comes out, at least we can know that they're thinking clearly and they, they saw the same things that we did out there. Yeah, just looking again and 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 putting a final bow on on that first period. I thought the backbreaking goal was the goal from Kucherov with like four seconds left on the power play. Just a, a, it was blow after blow after blow, and next thing you know, you look at your TV, you look at your phone, you go on social media, and you're like, shit, that was the first twenty minutes, and it's three nothing, man. I thought that game was already over. I think I give them credit for coming, uh, you know, a bit back in the second period, but to have that type of start was just surreal to me. What did you make of Ilya Samsonov, 6 on 29? I really didn't think it was his fault. I know people are trying to build up the story, a 793 save percentage in the game. Was it the rest versus rust conversation? Was it a bit of both? There's no conversation to be had. Like that. That's what worried me after the game, man. Sheldon Keefe didn't solidify his plans for game two and say it's Ilya Samsonov. He, he, he said it was way too early, which is scary for me. There's no way you go to Joseph Wall already, is there? No, there's no chance. And I mean, he's hot under the collar. He hasn't even had time to sit back and process what's going on. I don't think he wants to give up uh, his hand and tell Sammy he's back and he's pissed off. He doesn't want to give anyone anything. He doesn't want to give any decision. Yeah. That was in his head beforehand. But Sammy did, did not look good. Um, I, I was expecting him and the team in front of him to play good. But everyone just looked so tight and tentative. And what I said yesterday on the game that we want to see from him is to be big, be poised, be calm, be in position. You know, those big, you know, scary situations where they get it in the slaughter, get it in a dangerous spot where the crowd goes, oh, here comes a chance. You know, when Sammy's playing good, he just gets into position, boom, easy save, and he doesn't even have to thrash. But last night, he's sliding around, he's thrashing, he, he can't find it, rebounds everywhere, he's scrambling. I mean, it was the opposite of poised and confident, and he's the first yeah. one to admit that he didn't play well. And, you know, did the team in front of him play well and, and give him a chance? No. Did he play well and, and make the saves to give the team a chance to get back on their feet and, and make up for their poor start? No, he didn't. There was almost no shining light in the game, top to bottom, behind the bench, any of it, man. And, you know, they need to they need to reset. And, you know, now that they got themselves behind the eight ball, I don't know. I mean, they're used to being kind of underdogs and, and they came into that one being the favorites and they sure as hell didn't handle it very well. So we'll see how they handle this situation they've got themselves into now. All right, let's get to the parade to the penalty box. Then we'll get to the Michael Bunting situation. Tampa goes four for eight on the PP. Toronto two for four. We saw 12 power plays. The officials lost control of that game in the first period. Never recovered it. This is the last thing, Rosie, I want to see in the Stanley Cup playoffs is the, rel the ref, excuse me, helping to decide a game. Now, I've been prefacing all year long by saying, hey, it's a tough job. I don't envy these jobs. That, that That's for sure. But I think that the refs played way too big of a role in game one. Would you agree? Without question, it's the, the favorite, the best part of the Stanley Cup playoffs is that you can play some really rough and tumble hockey. The players kind of decide where it's going to go and they got a job to do by figuring out where that line is and they can't cross that line. And the ref's job is to be there and watch and wait and see when they cross that line 
okay, you got to put your hand up and say, hey, you boys are playing playoff hockey and you're playing for the Stanley Cup. I'm going to allow you to do that. But when you cross that line, you're going to go to the box. And that line is always pushed back for the playoffs. And you don't call soft shit. You don't call non-penalties. And that's all they did last night. It was like they were just excited and horny to put their hand up and blow the whistle and say, you're going to the box. And it ruined the game. It dictated the game. It took the wind out of the sails of the second period by a million. And the whole game was dictated by the power play, which is not exciting, which is not playoff hockey, which is not what you want to see. You want to see five on five, two teams battle, and the refs are just there to make sure that those guys don't go too far when they get too ramped up and and cross that line. Then shit. You put your team down and you might pay for it on the power play. That is the playoff hockey. And it was not what that game was last night. And I thought the officiating, I don't usually bitch about it, but it was, it was terrible. You're calling, you're calling things that you should never call in the regular season. You shouldn't call in exhibition and you're calling that in the Stanley cup playoffs. It is terrible to call that weak ass shit that weak penalties are bad enough where non-penalties you're calling multiple times it's inexcusable and you can't do that in the playoffs or you're ruining the game the folks on camera on cbc and sportsnet did a, a tremendous job of the iso shots the reaction shots if you will did you see the one specific shot shot of jess shen and the children <laughs> after the luke shen penalty like daddy's going to jail after that <laughs> i could not believe he got a penalty for that but Jess is like saying, yo, that's not a penalty. That's not a penalty. She's right. It was just crazy to me. It's outrageous. Same with Keith. He looks at the iPad and he goes, oh, <laughs> that is embarrassing. Like a completely missed call. Like if you're going to call a cross check, it's because he just blatantly crossed the line. The guy is in front and you fucking lay a big old obvious cross check right on the spine yeah. in between the pants and the shoulder pads. And the guy clearly winces and goes down. Not a one-handed push and the friggin' idiot just dives like this is the NBA. And then you, you, you get duped by that. You put your hand up and you're an NHL caliber playoff given ref. You put your hand up for that shit. And then the same thing with the, with the uh, call on, um, I can't even think right now, fourth Camp. line center and David Camp and, he just reaches around and gives a tap on the shaft of the stick. Didn't, didn't anything. It was, this is the NHL playoffs. And you, you, <laughs> you call after the missed call already, after the, the game's already been dictated by the, the power play, the team's in this position to come back and make an unbelievably classic game out of this, a real playoff game. And you call that weak ass shit, take the sales right out of the game. What a, what a, what a sore eye for the, for the game of hockey in general. If you're trying to, bring people to the sport and have people say holy this playoff this is exciting this is fun watching that shit they don't want to see that it's it's a complete complete wind out of the sails momentum breaking call that just does nothing for the game and it it just shouldn't be called it's not hockey my greatest question for you on today's show rosie what was michael bunting thinking honestly all, all i can think of watching that play unfold was Nazem Kadri, who no longer is with the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's just so stupid, man. He, he doesn't know where the line is, and he doesn't know how to play that role. He doesn't know how to... Some guy, like, you look at Corey Perry. He plays that role so goddamn well. He can do the little cheap stuff and straddle the line, but he gets away with it. And then if he pisses the guys off enough, they're going to retaliate, and he's going to draw the penalty. He can play tough. He can play hard. He can hit. He can fight if need be. He knows what to do. He plays that role so well, and Michael Bunting has no clue how to play that. He dives way too much. 
He puts his arms up screaming for calls way too much. He literally screams and mother Fs the refs right in their face as if that's going to get you something positive in return. When has that ever given anybody something positive? Corey Perry just plays and he doesn't scream in the ref's face. He just plays the game and gets under skin and he gets away with shit. And he's very, very smart and very good at that. And bunting has just lost his mind. He doesn't know how to play tough. He doesn't know how to play agitator. He doesn't know how to get away with stuff. He doesn't know how to play the little cheap stuff to get under their skin. He just blatantly in the wide open ice and a nothing play just jumps up and elbows a guy in the head to the point where right in front of the ref and then puts his hands up and goes, what? Like, you don't know how to play that role, man. And he, he's pissed off guys enough. I've seen it enough where he just continually shoots himself and his team in the foot with those kind of decisions. And I honestly am not even, you know, that disappointed with him being gone because his effectiveness isn't there like it was last year. Somewhere along the way, he's lost sight of what's made him effective as an NHL player, even in year one. I, I thought he was really, really good in year one, found a groove, was so pivotal for this team. Then you move forward a year or two. I think he's been so lost in the extracurriculars. Like that's the one thing he did well last year, I felt was like tiptoeing that line. And of course he was banged up for that first round series against Tampa and people were excited to see him finally fully healthy for this series. And now he's likely to miss at least a game. And I just think he's lost sight of who he is as a player, man. Like he, he needs like an epiphany, a wake up call or something, but like he needs to watch video of last year because like every game I watch him, He's more locked up in the extracurriculars, the after-the-whistle type shit than going out there, making time and space, working with Matthews, working with Marner and, and, and the big boys and finding their way offensively. He's lost it, man. Yeah, it's just, it's like I said, he doesn't know how to play that role that he's trying to play. The the agitator, the getting under the skin, the being, you know, the scrummy, uh, scrappy kind of player that no one likes to play against. It's easy to play against him, man. He dives and pisses off the ref, tries to embarrass the ref, and screams in the ref's faces. They hate him. That's very clear. He's, you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt at any point in time. He's not overly tough at all. He's not physical, and he tends to do dumb shit, so... I mean, it's just none of it adds up to being effective. If you're going to play that role, do it smartly like a Corey Perry does and focus on your game. And when you get cheap shotted, you're, if you're moving your feet and continuing on, you're going to get the calls. If you want to get in guys' faces and chirp off and, and do little things behind the scenes that can maybe you can get away with, you might get some guys retaliating towards you and they can parade to the box and then you're effective by drawing penalties. It's not doing any of that stuff. He's doing the polar opposite and hurting his team. And there's no bigger example of that than, than the way he played last night. It was just... It was just, what are you doing? You're killing yourself and you're killing your team out there. And he needs to make a big time adjustment when he gets back into this uh, into this series. So looking ahead to uh, game two on Thursday, what changes would you make if you're Sheldon Keefe? I think we'll both assume that Michael Bunting will be suspended. Is it Matthew Nye's time? Do you go 11 and seven? You find a way to bring Lilligren. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I think the defensive pairings need to be McCabe, Riley, Brody, Lilligren, Shen, Giordano. Simple as that. Hull is an absolute liability. He has to come out after a performance like that. There's no coming back from it. You aren't even good enough to come back from that. And you're clearly toast right now. That was so bad, you can't even give him a second chance. But they're probably going to. But that decor that I just rattled off, McCabe Riley, Brody Lilligren, Shen Gio is well-rounded. You got a little bit of everything and they complement each other. That's the best six guys going forward. We'll see if that happens or not. And then you absolutely have to get Matthew Nyes in. I mean, you look at look at Achari and Lafferty and Zach Aston Reese. I mean, were they even remotely effective in any positive way last night? And 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 even at the best top of their game, how what's their ceiling for good? It's only here. You put Matthew Nyes in, his ceiling's here. And you got to give him a chance to do that, especially now. I would have had him in in game one, and I said that. Now that you had that absolute A glade, get him back in the lineup. And uh, I think you're going to have a spot when Bunting gets punted out. Or like you said, you go 11-7, and seven, which I really don't love in the playoffs, but that's definitely potential. Yeah, there's a potential for 11 and 7. I would tend to agree because what happens if you go to, you know, OT, 1 OT, 2 OT, 3 OT, and you're riding with 11 forwards? I think it's just a recipe for disaster. So, bottom line, they have to find a way to respond coming up on Thursday night. The last thing you want to do is go to Emily Arena down 0 2 in a series. It's happened before, but again, I, I think I'm just going to look at this game. It's one game. Yeah, it stinks. But, Rosie, what's the difference between losing 8 0 or 7 3 or losing in triple OT, right? It's a loss. There is no difference. You you you, you take a loss and you got to go and respond. I mean, honestly, it would almost be, it wouldn't be worse, but you can try to spin it. I mean, if they give, if they played their absolute best hockey and their goaltender played phenomenal and they lose 2-1, 3-2 in overtime and they just can't solve Vasilevsky and everyone was firing all cylinders, you're kind of dejected because you're saying, holy shit. We gave him everything we got and, and we couldn't win where we know that that is miles away from the best that the Maple Leafs have. Why that happened is irrelevant. You got to move on. You got to have a short memory. Go to game two, readjust, get your confidence back, put your balls on and go out there and play the way that you're able to play. Pretend it's a regular season game. I don't care what you got to do mentally to get over that hump, but you got to go out there and give that game what that team is capable of they've played 82 games and 
the majority of them were were good games where you're playing as a team and dominating and taking control and playing with confidence. You got to start with that on Thursday, and we'll see what the line matching is. Honestly, though, with uh, you know, not to be too negative on this thing, but there's nothing positive to talk about. But I mean, if Hall isn't taken out of that lineup. I'm kind of going to distance myself from Sheldon Keefe. I've been in his corner. I've gone to bat with him. I, I've tried to justify his moves. But if you don't take Hall out after that, like there isn't a team in the goddamn world who wouldn't take a defenseman out after a performance like that. And if he's not out, he is he was the worst defenseman on the ice by a million. And he played the most amount of minutes throughout that 60 minutes. He has to come out. You have to give your back end a chance. He's too scrambly. He's too lost. And if not, I'm I'm going to have a lot of respect lost for that behind the bench. For those of you asking in the chat, by the way, um, again, that was the more concerning thing for me is that Victor Hedman didn't play the majority of the game and you still lost 7-3, man. Yeah. This is, we're talking about an all-world defense for one of the best in the game, but there really wasn't an update after the game. We're not going to find out much in the Stanley Cup playoffs. These coaches are going to tell us nothing. Hedman, Chernak, and Esamont, uh, who took the McCabe hit there, uh, all did not return to the game. And again, we don't know their statuses. Obviously, those are two big names in the form of Hedman and Chernak. And I, for one, can tell you Tampa that does not have the depth they did once in the past when it comes to the blue line. But like, if you're Toronto, you have to find a way to capitalize. But unfortunately, Rosie, like, it doesn't change for me. Like, there's been teams in the past that have been so banged up and found a way. I remember game seven last year, Braden Point got hurt. It didn't matter. So, that's what the great teams do. They find a way to get the job done when the big boys get hurt or somebody gets hurt. Look at the Leafs. A lot of their blue line banged up all year. It's next man up in the playoffs. Yeah, that's kind of the shining light. They get a crack at it again. It's one game. You're down one nothing. I mean, every team in the playoffs right now, one of them is down one nothing. It's not the end of the world. And how you lost it, you gotta you gotta forget about it. Move on. And the in the shining grace is that they are down players. I mean, Victor Hedman came out for the second period, didn't play in the first like five minutes or something, and then just skated off the bench. Like I can't. I don't know what it is. I didn't see what happened. I imagine it's it's some kind of an injury where he can't even. Mm -hmm. He if it's his hands, he can't even get his hands on the stick, and he just looks back and he goes, "I can't even. I can't even risk taking a shift with what's going on." And it'd be interesting to see how. But when you got your guys like that banged up, you have to take advantage. And I mean, you got to expose that decor now. You got to get it down low. You got to get it in front of the net. You got to crash. You got to apply pressure and allow the remaining D men to make mistakes where your big boys can capitalize on it. That's got to be the game plan. And you know, you get to refresh and restart and try to take advantage of something positive, which is they're a little bit banged up after game one. The chat's buzzing right now, by the way. We have a poll up. Uh, was that Bunting's last game as a Leaf? So far, 52% say yes, 48% no. I'm going to go with no. I got to tell you as well, that segment was brought to you by our new friends over at Skip. We're happy to tell you about Mitch's Dishes by Skip. Using the promo code TLN15 on the Skip the Dishes app, you'll get $15 off when you spend $30 or more on Mitch's Dishes. Please note that this offer is exclusive to Skip. Additionally, a portion of the proceeds will be donated to the Marner Assist Fund to combat food insecurity. Skip is currently serving up game time eats across the GTA and Ontario in the likes of Brampton, Guelph, Kitchener, Toronto, Oshawa, and Waterloo, among other places. If Mitch likes it, it's got to be great. And Mitch Marner had two assists last night. Skip. I always miss the sound, but you I'm going to hit do. it one day, Rosie. One day I'm going to hit that. I'm going to pause. Producer Alex is going to play that. I've commanded producer Alex to play that, regardless if I hit the note or not. So thank you, Alex. 
you got to let Katy Perry do her thing out there, man. You don't talk over I her. know. My mistake. Sorry, Katy Perry. We, we, we hope to get her on the show one day. Maybe we'll have some Mitch's uh, dishes together. But uh, anyways, the Botano wrap-up is presented by Botano.ca. The game starts now, 19+. plus. Please play responsibly. So I guess that was a positive part of yesterday's show, minus the fact I said Toronto was going to win. We got that Nylander goal, man. He always seems to score lately in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I believe that's 11 goals in the last 20 outings in the postseason. For today's play, I'm going to look at a bounce back, and we expect a bounce back from Toronto on Thursday. I expect a bounce back of sorts for the Edmonton Oilers after they collapsed, and I mean collapsed on Monday in that game against the Los Angeles Kings. So I like the Oilers in regulation. I also like Connor McDavid to score a goal, and I also like McDavid over a point and a half of my most favorite play of that game as you see on your screen is the Oilers to win in regulation do they get the job done tonight Rosie yeah I think so I think they're a good team um they drop the ball there and I mean the Edmonton mm-hmm. Oilers have a similar history to the Leafs of you know having great teams and not being able to get it done but I do believe that uh they'll find a way here to even that series I like that pick and not to be rude I didn't even know until this morning when I checked my account um but I picked O'Reilly, um, I picked Yarncroak, and I picked Nylander to score, and they went nice. one, two, three. Uh, I didn't even notice till this morning. I was like, hey, there's some buzz. I didn't even check because I was trying not to throw my glass of drink through the goddamn TV last night. But uh, nonetheless, well that was the negative Rosie for this uh, Wednesday morning, and tomorrow we will move on. We will package it up and put it behind us and move on to what we need to do with some positivity. Yeah, I could tell you all behind the scenes, Rosie and I have been texting quite a bit uh, since that game concluded, and he has been waiting to, waiting to come on air to, today to vent and share his thoughts, so I appreciate that. Jeffy Size writes in, ha, Mitch skipped game one. <laughs> Very well done. Thanks so much for the comment. The, uh, the chat's on fire, by the way. We have 131 concurrent viewers right now. We appreciate everybody. If this is your first time here, make sure to subscribe to our channel at the Leafs Nation 401 um just looking at the the chat tml writes in kerfoot is a waste of space as well mark writes in uh west has been a weasel with the lease for a long time of course a lot of disappointment and unhappiness regarding the officiating in west mccauley last night that's par for the course Corey writes in should have traded for corpus Sallow. i can't pin this one on Ilya samsonov was he great no but i i, I feel fairly confident with the goaltending whether it's uh him or obviously Joseph Wall makes his debut. Matt Murray's no longer a leaf in my world, but I got no issues with the goaltending, Rosie. Yeah, me neither. I think Sammy's going to snap out of it and play uh, play a big game on Thursday. I expected more. It was disappointing, but again, he didn't have a lot of help. And from top to bottom, behind the bench, forwards, D, um, the gym, everything and in between was was not up to snuff last night and they need to make some adjustments and I mean Sammy I love to hear I love his attitude and I love to hear that he just says I played like shit last night and uh, yeah. that's just the way it is and he needs to respond everyone on that roster needs to respond and you know we're going to wait and see on Thursday if he does I, I, I firmly believe they'd be crazy enough to go back to him whether he whether Keefe and an off the cuff thing said I haven't made any decision or not is not a huge factor to me I think they're going to go right back to him I like this one from TML. Hall has photos of Keith and Dubis. Man, I've been saying this all season. This guy just like, he escapes everything. It's like it's blackmail. It's like how how do you how do you justify giving that guy 20 minutes? How? Like explain how. What does he do? Why do you value him? He's he can't 
He he's so scrambly. He's out of position. He doesn't make the plays. He misses the checks. He's weak as shit on sticks. He's behind the guy. He sits and watches guys score goals one, two, three, four times. Like how how many times do you need to see this guy not be able to compete to continue justifying his ice time? It's flabbergasting to me, man. And they felt the need and compelled to protect him in the Seattle Kraken expansion draft. Just mull on that for oh. a bit, Rosie. Kerwin Wright said one of our great interns, Samsonov on a one-game leash now. Leafs weren't great in front of him, but wasn't fantastic as well. I think you're asking for trouble in this market. If you're already looking at your your rookie prize netminer behind him to, yeah. to steal the spotlight and save the show, man. Samsonov's had a great year. Again, it's one game. I expect the Leafs to be much better defensively in game two. So, no, Samsonov's my guy, profoundly. Yeah, if you go to Wall, you're just panicking. Sammy's, yeah. Sammy needs to have another another shot. He's not on a one-game leash by any stretch. And, uh, yeah, we thought we were going to have a one-two punch with Murray. If Murray was healthy and they started Sammy and that happened, ooh, then you'd have kind of a conversation on your hands. Do you go to the experienced guy and give another guy a shot? But uh, I think it's going to be a good thing at the end of the day to get Sammy back in there have him poised, have him ready, reset his uh, his mental focus and go in there on Thursday, hopefully have a good game and then away these guys go. Well, we hope we acted as a very good and strong therapy session for you. I can't believe it's just a game one recap. It's game fucking one of this. And here we are talking about a blowout loss to the Tampa Lightning who have been to three consecutive Stanley Cup finals. But it is what it is. I should mention as well, we're hoping to get Ray Ferraro on the show of ESPN tomorrow for a bit of a preview. So I'll try to confirm that throughout today. And obviously you guys will find out when you tune in tomorrow, if that does happen, but it looks likely at this point. And Rosie, all you can do is just move on. I'm happy, uh, you know, acted as your counselor, your therapy sessions out of the way. And now we can move forward with life and game two tomorrow. Yeah, I guess you're a little more used to this than I am, but uh, oh, yeah. just so unexpected, so unacceptable. And I mean, I liked, I like that this thing's a sounding board for me to rant a little bit and get some things off my chest, yeah. but I'm certainly not the only one in this uh, nation that needs to uh, vent a little bit today, but hopefully we can all get out of our systems, move on, focus up for tomorrow, and we need to yeah. have a little different outcome, that is for sure. But I will move on to positivity now that I got that off my chest. Yeah, the one thing I'll say to close, uh, the one thing I've learned from covering this team over the years is do not overreact in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Every game's different. There's no momentum that's carried from one game to another. And yep. the Leafs could easily come out and win game two, five nothing, six nothing. So I'm going to try to stay positive, as positive as I can. I didn't want to come on here and overreact. I just don't think that's the proper way to go about things. It's a loss. It's a loss. You just move on. So we'll leave it at that. Many thanks to producer Alex for keeping everything on the rails on today's show. Uh, Jay Rosehill, as per usual, bringing the heat. I'm Nick Elberg, and thank you to everybody in the chat. You brought it today, and we'll talk again tomorrow at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Take care. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 